And welcome back to Talking Lead, episode 116. Leadheads, it's been a interesting week to say the least. Uh, it's been an exciting week, been a busy week. I uh, got to spend the week with, or the weekend with uh, my buddy Casey Griggs up in uh, Kentucky. I hated that I get, didn't get to uh, travel down to Louisiana because that was uh, one hell of a fight that Jared Markle, our MMA fighter, in his return to the ring. Uh, so we're going to have those two guys on the show this week, and we're going to talk about the three-gun competition with Casey, and we're going to talk about the the brawl in Louisiana with Jared. Welcome in, guys. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you being on. Looks like you're healing up nicely there, my friend. I am. I wasn't this pretty uh, about four days ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and to your credit, you weren't afraid to post the pictures up, too. I mean, that that was a fight to be proud of, man. Yeah, I, I saved some of the pictures for private view because of my grandparents were on my Facebook page. And oh. I my grandpa, he's like, I'm, I'm kind of worried about your health. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, first thing you need to do is kick them off your Facebook page. <laughs> I forgot he was on there, and then I got the call. Or I, actually, I had to call him. Dad's like, you need to find Grandpa now. I was like, okay. That's hilarious. Did, do they know that you're an MMA fighter? Yeah, it's just it's been five years since I did it. So he was like, uh, I'm not going to hold my breath for you to get back in the cage, but I'm here to support you. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's a loving grandparent for you. And from their viewpoint, why they would not be excited about it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, kids are kids. They're going to do what they're going to do, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think he probably understands that probably from your dad, right? <laughs> what? No. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and Casey, the three-gunner, sponsored by Troy, Talking Lead, Nordic components. I'm not going to get everybody, Casey. You're going to have to jump in and help me. Um, Apex. Apex Tactical, Nordic components. Got you. We've got Force Firearms and Machine, Black Side Gunworks, Blade Tech, and we got Modern Spartan. Modern Spartan systems, that's right. Let's talk about the, the three-gun competition, and then we'll get in and we'll talk about the fight. I had the privilege um, to be at the three-gun competition with Casey this weekend. Uh, and buddy of mine, Tanner, was able to join me. And Tanner's been on the show before, uh, Missile Man episode, if you guys remember that. Casey, uh, I missed your first day. So let's talk about the the first day of, of competition there at the Rock Castle 3-Gun Pro-Am. Now, you shot amateur, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, this being one of your... It's not your first, but it's one of your, or is the first, uh, I guess, Pro-Am mix competition, right? Yeah, the, uh, yeah, it's the your biggest one. competition, yeah. What, uh, what was your initial impression when you first got there? My initial impression was, yeah. holy crap, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, rolling in the front area and seeing all the signs for the first time of all the sponsors, like Seeking Precision, uh, dude, just, just, just like seeing the Nordic components and Troy's signs were up there and brown L's, yeah, brown, yeah, brown L's and double star, just Bridgecon, yeah, yeah. When you're rolling through the front gate and you see all those big flags and banners, you're just like, have has heaven's gates just opened? 
<laughs> so it was pretty sweet. It's like let the games begin. Yes, completely. Yeah. So when you when you got there, kind of tell us how what was it like your pre pre shoot pre game routine? What uh, what'd you do to get prepared to get ready to get psyched up? Well, first things first, do some quick you know light well quick checks of your weapons. Make sure everything's there. Make sure you got all your stuff. Because that's crucial if you don't have your pistol or uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> you think you I might want to check that before you leave the house. <laughs> well, you check before and after because I mean, you know, when your mind's going 100 miles a minute, and uh, that's the cool part about being a three gunner is there's all kinds of guys there to help you. So I mean, if you did leave something at home, hopefully not a firearm, but if you left something at home, man, they'll toss it to you in a in a heartbeat. That's the cool part about it. Uh, everybody there. Is there to help each other, so that's really cool. Yeah. Um, but after you make sure you get your checks and you know pre-checks and everything done, start going over the stages. Uh, print them out if you have to. Put them in your hand. Visually look at the maps. Then go to the stages if they allow you, and start looking at the layout immediately. That place is is ginormous. Those stages are so spread out. Man, I. I just can't imagine that. And, of course, it depends, I guess, how early you get there, whether you could drive around and look at them all and walk through them all. Right. But uh, did you go the day the ROs were doing the shoots? Well, yeah, I was going around the day the ROs were shooting, but not with the ROs. They actually had a, a match up there called the Hava match, mm, which yeah. is the, the Wounded Veterans uh, match or Handicap Veteran Association. Is that what it's called, I think? Hava? And they were uh, going through and doing matches with wounded veterans uh, with their disabilities that they might have, have gotten from combat um, and just trying to work through it with them, which was really cool. Uh, yeah. Got the chance to go around with Trevor Bacham all day and a ton of other wounded veterans. And it was truly amazing to see them work through their injuries and to, to be a part of it all over again. So that was a, a match specifically for those guys. Oh yeah, yeah, that was That's it. Cool. Was sweet. I was looking at some of the pictures from that, and then um, the little recommended thing on Facebook after I got done looking at pictures of that was a couple of videos from Derek Wida, and I think that's how you say his last name. He's with the uh, uh, M Best with Matt in them, mm -hmm. and dude that has the prosthetic leg. Oh yeah. Right. After yeah. looking at those pictures and watching his video, I'm like, man, I have zero excuses for anything. I have to go do everything now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, he, he, yeah, he works through his injuries, man, in CrossFit like crazy. Yeah. So I mean, that's uh, dude, that's inspiration. And watching those guys up there, you know, a couple of guys had uh, missing legs, uh, handicapped from the waist down, or paralyzed from the waist down, I should say, and uh, you know, missing limbs, arms. Dude, they're working through it. It's They're awesome. shooting shotgun one-handed. It's like here I am, like got, I got I, all my extremities, and these guys are powering through their injuries and doing a friggin' bang-up job. Just outstanding. Yeah, and it's, it's like Jared said, zero excuses, man. Yeah, we went down to Marty. You probably heard the story, but we went down to Ken Hackathorn's class uh, on Bill Wilson's ranch in Texas a couple years ago, and there's a guy there named Colonel Tim Karcher had both of his legs blown off above the knee, so he had two prosthetic legs, 
and he was up there. He was running some drills in his wheelchair, and then he would get up out of it and, and walk and shoot. I'm like, wow, man, this this dude. Anybody that makes an excuse right now, I'm just going to send you over to Colonel Tim Karcher and you can talk to him. Yeah. It's just, it's really uplifting. I mean, that there's still humans out there that have the, the drive to push past discomfort. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. These guys are, are handicapped, but there are ways for them to still enjoy, you know, the things like you and I do. You know, yeah, they're able to go out and, and take part in these competitions. And, you know, technology's great nowadays you know the prosthetics have come just light years uh, you know ahead of of where they were just probably you know 15 10 years ago even yep. oh yeah there was a dude in an mma fight that i was at that he was fighting with one and a half arms he didn't one have one and a half arms yeah, he had like a cut off right below his elbow and he had a nub and he was he was fighting mma yep mma who's oh my the MMA that has no legs. There's a MMA fighter with no legs. There's an MMA fighter with no legs, and dude, he can freaking rock it. He'll he'll flat out tap you quick. <laughs> I was watching that not too long ago. They done a special on him or something like that. He's he literally has no legs. Wow, that's crazy. And he's taking full grown dudes down like it ain't nobody's business. Yeah. That's and arm barring the crap out of you. Oh yeah, he's like arm barring the crap out of people. Like you're done, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So let's get back to the three-gun competition. And so the first day was kind of the HAVA, the RO officers, and then you guys shot, I guess it was on Saturday. or what, No, it was Friday, wasn't it? Friday. Yeah, you guys shot on Friday. And there was, what, like almost 300 competitors in this thing? Yeah, every bit of 300 uh, on I'm going to say, yeah, somewhere around, well, probably 400 because there was yeah. 203 amateur side. Okay. I was thinking there was about 300 on the amateur side and uh, close to close to that on the pro side. I, mean, I don't think they quite had the 600 people. Uh, I think they fell a, a few short of that. Some mm -hmm. people didn't show up and whatnot. But nonetheless, I mean, that's a lot of people that you're competing against. And the way they do it is they put you guys, uh, to get through it all, they put you in squads uh, up to, like, what, 12 people in some of them? Uh, yeah, 12 to twelve to 14, I think, is what it was. So. Yeah. I know some of them, because people didn't show up, were down to, like, five people in their squads and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Those guys had some long wait times because they were getting through their stages quick. Yeah, and they were sitting back in lawn chairs waiting on everybody else to get done. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I know that wait time, it's got to kill you. Uh, oh, yeah. the stages. Uh, well, not really. It gives you kind of the tactical advantage, in my opinion, because you can sit there and watch everybody else screw up. That way, when you go through it, you don't screw up. <laughs> <laughs> unless, unless your gun screws up, right? Yeah, unless your weapon malfunctions, and then you just feel like crap already. So, I mean, right. And we'll get to that. So talk about uh, from stage to stage. How many, did you have eight stages total? Uh, well, total. on this one, there was... We did four the first day, and we did three the second day. So there was seven total. Okay, but, seven um, stages. I think they had one more, but I don't know that they put it in because I thought somebody said at one time they had eight. Okay. I know the pros had one that got damaged. <laughs> so it, it got shot up before everybody was able to go through it, so they just eliminated it completely. Well, actually, I think that was, our, that was ours. Was that yours too? 
Yeah, yeah, they had one in ours. They just took one completely out. Oh yeah, that was it. Was the amateurs? It wasn't the pro one. Yeah, yeah, then, that's uh, right. I don't forget which stage that was. I know that the cowboy uh, shoot, the cowboy stages they had. Uh-huh. Broke, uh huh. Broke the metal swinger. You broke the swinger on one of those. <laughs> yeah, they had to repair it like two or three times. <laughs> of those seven stages, uh, talk about your favorite one that you shot. Which one would that have been? Oh, man, you're putting me on the spot. I can't even hardly remember the numbers of them or in that order. Talk about the layout of the t- talk about the layout of the stage. Well, okay, the layout of the stage was you could pretty much start however you wanted to. You could start uh, with pistol or I'm sorry, you could start with yeah, you could start with pistol, shotgun or rifle, whichever one you wanted. But they only had your area for you to track was back and forth. And they had walls set up to where you had to maneuver from left to right to be able to see and hit all your targets. I like that one just simply because um, you could start. I started with the rifle. I went from left to right, hit every target that I seen as I was moving. So I come back and dumped and picked up shotgun. And I like shotgun because I can blow through steel quick with shotgun. And, uh, Shot through the shotgun and then just cranked up on pistol at the very end. And, uh, dude, that was that was probably the funnest stage to me. I know you didn't move a lot inside the stage, but uh, just simply the layout of it to where you could just rock fire and let it go. Yeah. So this one didn't have, like, a lot of different uh, – I know some of them had, like, corridors that you would have to go through, and then it would open up, and then you would uh, engage more targets. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd have, like, faux windows set up. You'd shoot through windows. They'd have barrels you'd have to shoot around. Did this one have a lot of obstacles or less obstacles? Well, it had a lot of obstacles, but your drawback to those obstacles is you literally had to move in that rectangular shape behind the bucket to see all of them. So it wasn't like you were maneuvering, like building clearing, you know, going around those wall setups to see Mm -hmm. your other targets. You wasn't doing that. Um, Which actually kind of shocked me because I thought they would have more of that. And they didn't have as much of that. They had a lot of rifle on this course, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And uh, which don't get me wrong, I like the rifle. The rifle's uh, when it works. Yeah, when it works. <laughs> when it works. Uh, All right, so let's that, go ahead and talk about it. There was a stage. Uh, it was a it was a pistol, shotgun, and rifle, right? Mm-hmm. It was all three. And it was one. So it was set, set up like you've got. A window on the left, a window on the right. You've got a door that you go through, a little corridor, and then it opens up, uh, and then you're engaging shotgun. the shotgun, and then you run up, and there's a car on this one also. Mm-hmm. And some of the stages had cars to where you, uh, you'd either get in them and shoot, or you'd have to shoot through them, or you'd have to shoot over them, uh, different things like that to get to your targets. But then it also had... Was it two long distance? Were they 200-yard targets? But yeah, no, those were about 100 to 150, I think. They wasn't that far. Okay, 100 to 150 yards. Uh, so this is the one that I was really excited about. Me too. Uh, so so walk us through that one, and uh, well, we'll, we'll get to the tragedy. <laughs> yeah, I, I started out pretty good. Um, I had a good plan laid out in my head of how I was going to do it. Started out with pistol to where I could visually see through one window, one target. So as soon as I drew, I pulled up, shot one target, and then I could backpedal, 
shooting the other target to the left side of the window as I pulled back. Well, as I turned to shoot the other ones, I'm, I'm coming in on another one that's low. I could hit it and backpedal hitting the three out. Once I done that, I went to the shotgun, picked it, started shooting steel, got the steel knocked off, which at that time I had a freaking blazer. Dude, you were, you were rocking it too, man. I was following him with the camera, and it was cool that they let me do that, is follow you through all these stages, and I was right behind you. Uh, video on this whole thing, and I'm just like trying to keep up with him. Like he's freaking smoking through here, man. He's gonna tear this one up. Yeah, everybody thought that I was just like blazing. Everybody, from what everybody told me, I was blazing that stage. Yeah, which, you were. Which was good. Well, I get to dump the shotgun, grab the rifle at the car, put the sight on the first target, and click. Nothing. There is a round in the chamber. And I'm going, crap. So I try to rack it. Well, guess what? It's stuck. Ah. The brass, I don't know if it wasn't sized correctly or what, which I have, I've learned my lesson now. I'm not using reloads. I'm using new ammo, period. But the bad part about it is that ammo was tuned to my rifle, which made mm -hmm. it even better. But Frog lube your rifle? Oh no, no frog lube. Yeah. Modern Spartan systems, Modern baby. Spartan systems. Oh, Modern man. Spartan systems. But uh, but it had nothing to do with the lube, and, it, and you know, come to find out, it was kind of a two-stage problem after Heinz, you know, after you got to investigating it, right? Yeah, I actually um, was kind of checking it out, and uh, my rifle is not a hundred percent Troy rifle. I'll go ahead and say that. So. You can't blame Troy Industries on that half. It is a Frankenstein rifle to yep. me. <laughs> but uh, I hope possibly down the road in the future to to pick up a Troy rifle uh, to use as a as a three gun weapon from Troy yep. um, because they make good great products, by the way. Because uh, I mean, and they're on the fast track doing things right, especially for this three gun. Rats mm -hmm. are breaking into. There's an announcement we're going to make uh, after you talk about this too, something they got coming down the road. But mm -hmm. uh, talk about talk about the the malfunction. So you're at the stage, you pull the trigger, click. So you're what's going through your mind is you know I've got ammo in here. You know what mm -hmm. the heck's going on? So you I start doing immediate start, actions. Yeah, start racking, checking your magazine. Start doing immediate actions, and uh, it was stuck so hard I literally had to slam it as hard as I could. Racked another one in it. Click. Oh, man. Are you freaking kidding me? So I'm sitting here. Now I take the magazine out. I try to rack it. It's stuck again. Next thing you know, I'm still sitting here. I clear it. So I put the magazine back in it. I rack it again. It sticks and click. <laughs> Three times. That's the third time's a charm. And finally, I just said, forget it. I'm yeah, done. The RO's like, are you done? And you're like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, I just, you know, but I was fight, I was trying to fight through it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Never give up. Keep fighting for it. Man, and I wanted so bad, I, I wanted to just drop the camera around and grab the gun and just start, you know, helping you try to work through, work through it. Yeah. I was wanting to holler at you and root you on and tell you to do this and tell you to do that, but I didn't know if you get disqualified or not for me. And that, well, and that's the thing. For hollering, so there's I shut up. That, there's some stuff that I could have done, but here's the thing. I mean, the RO even said, well, you could have done this, but here's the problem. It would have fired. Well, here's the thing. Being in the military, you can take 
a weapon, and even when you rack the bolt forward and you you eject that fresh round that you haven't fired yet, and look at the primer, what do you see? You see a light strike. That's mm -hmm. because that firing pin is going to move freely. Now, if I'd have slammed the weapon on the ground to extract that round and it went off, would I have been DQ'd? Yep. That's my question. Yep. Um, that's the reason why they tell you in basic training to be careful slamming the buttstock to the ground because that weapon will go off. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's why I wanted I wanted you to ask the RO. You know, he's like, ask him if you could do that. And he need, and after the match, he's the one that told you to slam it up against the the car. Yeah, but and that still wasn't solid enough. But the problem was. If I would have thought to have done that, would he have called the match and deemed it unsafe? Mm -hmm. Or it could have. something he thought of after the fact? Yeah. You know, well, so. there were several people yelling after the fact to slam it on the ground. And I and I and that's the first thing I said after you said, I'm done. I said, mm -hmm. slam it on the ground. Yeah. So, But that's one of those things. I don't want to do that because I don't want that unsafe... Yeah. You know, muzzle going anywhere or a possible round just flying up into no man's land. Right. And that's and something. Can you ask the ROs that during the competition? Can you ask them if you can do th certain things? Are they allowed to tell you? Yeah. I, well, I'm sure. If you don't ask, you know, then you don't know. Especially when safety is um, concerned. I would think that he would have said, you know, yes or no. Right. And uh, I think he would have banned it legitimately. But given the situation, I didn't want to try to, you yeah. know. Now, do you want to talk about that firing pin? Uh yeah yeah I'll give it a I'll give it a hit um, okay all right I'm not going to mention the bolt carrier uh, whose it is just simply because it's still a good bolt carrier group yeah um but it has a coating on it which will assist in keeping the the bolt carrier group and everything in the components clean easier in the weapon well they coated the firing pin with the same coating but after doing some checks. I come to find out that even if it adds just a fraction, like a thousandth of a fraction onto that firing pin. A millionth of a thousandth of an oh, inch millimeter. <laughs> yeah. Put that on there, and then you throw carbon on top of that. You're still adding all Bulk. of that extra or excess stuff on top of a part that's supposed to be very freely moving. Mm -hmm. It's got to have very high tolerances. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what I done is I took it out, I hit it with my finger to see how far it would protrude from the face of the bolt. Well, it wasn't protruding hardly at all. And I got to notice a little ring around it where that coating was on it, and that's where it was stopping. Mm. Well, uh, I'll mention his name because he's, a, he's a also a good shooter up there. Uh, Luis Reyes mm -hmm. uh, actually hooked me up. He's a fellow Apex Tactical um, shooter with the uh, apex tactical with his pistol enhancements and stuff like that uh and he threw me a new titanium firing pin and just said here you go here you go try this so i said okay well i kind of figured this much that it would be legit i stuck the clean titanium firing pin in there after a good cleaning hit it and you could see you could see it protrude out of, out of the base out of the front of the bolt just I mean, you could obviously see the distance difference. The distance difference, yeah. Yeah. And, so at that uh, point, your gun back at the stage, no matter what you did, it more than likely wasn't going to fire. No, it was not going to fire. So you were, you were doomed from the start. Yep. 
um, which is weird because it shot completely fine, you know, the first day. But then again, it was still building up on the firing pin. Yeah. Your gun, it was like, Casey, I'm tired. I want to stop. Yeah, just quit. Good grief. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, yeah, it, that's, that's, you know, in theory, it was probably a good idea to put that coating on there. But at the same time, I think it worked as a disadvantage yeah. instead of an advantage. Yeah, just just an oversight on the the people that were you know doing it, um, but that's again that's some good T and E product information that you can take back to those people and uh, you know unfortunately it cost you some placement spots in the competition. Mm -hmm. um, and and the only reason why I feel that that's probably that could be what it is is because I ran it today mm -hmm. uh, with a well known shooter and that I had the opportunity to meet today and uh, it ran fine. Completely who did you fine. who did you meet today? Who's this secret squirrel person that you? Well, uh, Al's nameless. Yeah, Al Zitta. He's a uh, he is a former pistol champion, still a very good shooter, He's competition shooter. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Extremely intelligent, very nice individual, and like I said today with the titanium firing pin, it ran like a scalded dog. I mean, it was perfect. Good deal. So at that stage, obviously, I mean, we were all, everybody was excited, even your squad mates. I mean, I had seen from the beginning of the day to the end of the day, and, and you know, we talked about this. I think you probably earned a lot of it the first day also, but they were rooting you on. They, you know, they were yelling and clapping and hooting and hollering, like, come on, Casey, come on, Casey, where when other squad mates were getting up there, they weren't yelling for them. <laughs> so, I mean, you you obviously won over your squad, and and became their um, you know so called role model, I guess. Well, uh, I don't know what you'd call it. Your their inspiration, yeah. maybe. I don't really know what to call it, but it just I guess it had a lot to do with me my, myself doing what I was doing. You know, even if a shooter had a rough stage. Be serious about telling them, hey, you know, it's okay. You'll get in the next one. Tell them you still done a good job. And, uh, I mean, because everybody's going to have bad days. Everybody's going to have good days. And when a shooter shoots good, congratulate them. Tell them, man, you've done a great job. Awesome time. You know, you done, you freaking rocked it, dude. It just build the atmosphere. I mean, there, there's so many shooters out there that get so wrapped around being who they are, I think, in, in some aspects. Mm -hmm. Not saying that they do, but, um, they kind of bust the atmosphere a little, you know, and yeah. which I mean, it's okay to be focused, but have fun. And that's something I've noticed in three gun. There's a lot of shooters that are extremely fun to be around. Mm -hmm. uh, and, well, you're uh, one of those. And I think that's what uh, was a lot of the draw to you is that you keeping everything positive. You're being very encouraging to your fellow squad mates. They would come to you for tips and you were more than happy to, to talk to them and give them suggestions and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think I think that's what that's what you got to do in these competitions, man. It doesn't have to be a cutthroat, you know, trash talking kind of event. <laughs> yeah, not like MMA. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat you. <laughs> unlike yeah, unlike the next sport we're getting ready to, to, to talk about. <laughs> hey, you got any tips? Shredded <laughs> <laughs> like a tuna in salad. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was gonna ask if uh, squad mates is like swole mates. <laughs> Can I tell a cool story? Is that Paul out here? Yeah. All right, this is a he cool story. Say hi. I was in the gym. We were doing the kids' class, right? 
So check this out. <laughs> hey, Paul. Hey. <laughs> You're welcome. So I'm in the gym, and we've got the kids, and I'm getting it, waiting for uh, Johnny D. To, uh, he was running a little late. So I was like, okay, I'll get the kids warmed up. We're doing a little warm-up exercise. I plug in the Pandora, and I put on the Scottish music station because it's me. And <laughs> so I turn around, and I look at the kids, and they're all like six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You know? And I said, anybody here got Scottish blood? And, of course, the one little boy says, yes. Oh, I do. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. You and the little girl, you got a clue. she's like, oh, yeah, I do, too. And Serenity, she comes walking around from behind a heavy bag, and she's kind of dragging her hand on it, and she looks at me, and she goes, actually, I have warrior blood. <laughs> so awesome. I said, that was my reason for coming in today, to hear a six, what is she, six? Yeah. A six-year-old look up at me and say, that I have warrior blood. That's awesome. That's <laughs> cool. I just yeah. like appreciate that. And now I'm going to go eat dinner. So you can have some fun. Well, hey, thanks for the cameo appearance, bro. Hey, you're welcome. Bye now. <laughs> what was what was the biggest thing that you took away from this being your biggest to date three gun competition? Train, train, train. Uh, that's about all I. You know, I mean, you you can take something from every event that you go to. And say, well, I need to do this better, and I need to do this better. Yeah. And uh, just just practice on on your weaknesses. What I took away from it was that okay, you need one of the new Troy Conqueror ARs that they have specifically designed for competition. <laughs> yeah. That's what I Definitely. took away with it. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so, Jules, if you're listening, you need to get that thing in the mail ASAP to Casey. And oh, by the way. Uh, the best things come in twos, so send me one too. <laughs> no, but that uh, that that rifle was sweet. I mean, it was super light. They've got the uh, carbon fiber alpha rail on this one. Um, it's called something else, uh, but it's the carbon fiber alpha rail, the one with the circles that you can put the squid grips in. Mm -hmm. They've got the three. It comes with a three prong uh, flash hider that's also suppressor uh, ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got the Geisley trigger, right? Mm-hmm. Geisley. Yeah, Bill Geisley makes some great triggers. Yeah. And then the Troy upper, lower, and then it had the Troy battle grip, and then the Troy uh, battle axe buttstock, which is something we're going to work on to try to get it even lighter in the future. Mm-hmm. But, um... Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and just understand that, uh, you know, to everybody that's listening, they make a great product, and... And there's no doubt they do because it, it, it everything that they make serves the warfighter, period. Yeah. So this is kind of their, their first, you know, putting their foot in the, the realm of competition shooting. This is their first model. So it's only going to improve from here. But, I mean, they've already got – I don't see that they can improve on much other than the butt stop. Um, and, and something that I'm going to just, like, kind of throw out there to be – for everybody to be looking for is the new carbon fiber M-lock uh, rail. That they which have. you you were running on yours already. Which, from what Julie has told me, I'm the number one. I am the first. You're the first. Very cool. And it is money. That thing yeah. is so light. I mean, <laughs> dude. And and just just the way it feels. Uh, I had actually spoken with her about you know the the block style that they have for a shooter is actually really good. Because if you're if you think about it along you know along the lines of a shooter with that octagonal shape that that rail has, 
Mm-hmm. When you come up to a stage that you have to prop your weapon up on maybe, say, like a table or something to shoot a really far target, or even just your hand placement on yeah. the rail itself. I didn't even think about that, yeah. If you look at your hand, your hand is actually kind of notchy. From each bone to knuckle, it's kind of, if you when you'll wrap your hand around, really and truly, is it circular or is it kind of octagonal? Well, it kind of conforms to whatever you're grabbing hold of, I guess. <laughs> but it's, it's think flexible. About the, but think it's about not completely. It's not completely flat. No, it's not completely yeah. flat surface. Think about your bone structures and how everything bends in the joints. Mm-hmm. And that M-lock rail with that shape actually puts your fingers and your hands exactly where it needs to be. Yeah. And uh, with stabilization, if you put it down on a hard surface, on a hard surface, if you had a circular rail. You have to stabilize the weapon. With that octagonal shape, you lay it flat, and on the flat surface, it's there. There's no movement, and you don't have to worry about stabilization. You put some thought into this, hadn't you? (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, I mean, because to me, I love the fact that they're trying to grow towards the three-gun, and I love it. I love the fact that they're towards the warfighter, too. I mean, that's outstanding. Uh, You know, their parts serve our nation, and our nation's greatest. Mm-hmm. America, and, uh, right? And uh, when you when you, you you want to put the war wrap around three gun, but at the same time, you know you got to try to look at it. Okay, I'm a I'm a sports shooter. Now, how can I apply this to that? And I and I like the fact that they're looking and going outside the box. Yeah, yeah. Well, the battle rifle and the competition rifle are two different animals. Yeah, you know, and. They need to be because they serve two different purposes. Mm, and I'm glad to see that they are getting in the ring. Ding, ding, ding. Good segue coming up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of three gun competition shooting. So that's well, very exciting news. Um, looking forward to their whole line of products that they're going to be developing yeah. around this new rifle. Well, look at it this way look at how many soldiers and law enforcement people you have doing three gun now. That's true. You know, those men are coming back, and not only is three gun a sport. It also helps that warfighter transition, in my opinion. It still hones his skills, still lets him practice, and still keeps him focused. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure so, you, you get camaraderie on in the uh, competition as well, too. Oh, yeah, you do. It's tremendous. It's, it's awesome. I love it. It's the best thing ever. And, Julie, if you hear me, I still thank you every day. And, Steve Troy, thank you for giving me that opportunity to live the dream. There you go. So let's uh, switch gears now and let's get to the big MMA slugfest that went down in Louisiana with Jared. And what was your opponent's name? His name was Quentin Henry. Quentin Henry, okay. And he's up from West Monroe. He's a big dude. Well, how tall was he? Uh, I don't even know. Six, one, six two, maybe? Six okay, one. How's your- Okay, I was going to say he looked a little taller than that, but uh, how tall are you? 5'9". You're 5'9". Okay, you and I are the same height, so everybody's taller than us. <laughs> I've learned that. <laughs> Typically. But uh, I mean, you didn't you didn't back down from him at all, man. I mean, you stood toe-to-toe with him for three rounds, and, uh, yeah, that's and you, what I, uh, you made a statement. I, my entire MMA career, uh, I fought people that are bigger than me. I'm always the pudgy-looking dude, and... I remember my my second amateur fight. That's not going to be for long. Though. I'm I'm dropping down a weight class. But 
the my second amateur fight, I remember I fought a, a Marine, and my mom told me after the fight, when he walked up to the cage, she's, she was scared because he was so much bigger than me. Yeah. But uh, I pushed that one through all three rounds. Those were only three-minute rounds when I was an amateur, so that was nine minutes. Uh, I ended up winning that one, but we punched each other for nine minutes, and then it was that was that. And then this one, uh, this was actually a, a much bigger show than uh, I've, I've fought on before because it was World Fighting Championships. Mm-hmm. out of Las Vegas, but they did a show in Baton Rouge at the Bell. And I think that's actually, they're doing another one just for boxing, I believe, next month. Okay. Now, yeah. are, do you do just the specialty fights too, like boxing? or? Uh, I've never do done guys? boxing before, but I'm getting into everything. Cool. Whatever my, my coach can get me in, that's what I'm going to do. Because that's going to hone your skills yeah. for the MMA, right? It would be like Casey... He's a three-gun shooter. It would be like him going off and doing just a rifle competition. Right. On his rifle skills. Or a pistol competition. Yeah. Very right. cool. Yeah, this, uh, it was actually kind of interesting. I don't know if you know how it works. Just for our uh, listeners who may not be familiar with the MMA world, uh, yeah, talk us through it. Okay, so uh, I cut weight. I cut down from about 220 to 205, uh, and I did that over the course of four days. Holy crap. Yeah, one of my sponsors, Squat Fuel, was actually I. This was the first time I've done a weight cut, and I had his supplement, so I took his little red pill, the weight cutting one, and that I believe that helped me cut the weight because I every other weight cut I've had before this was just miserable. This one sucked. Don't get me wrong, but it so was fifteen pounds in four days. That's crazy, dude. Yeah. That is crazy. It's all uh, when I stepped on the scale, I f- literally felt like my stomach was like going into my body. So here's the question that I want to ask. What is your nutrition plan when you're on those uh, thermogenics or diuretics or whatever you want to call it? When I'm just, uh, basically when I'm cutting the weight, I do chicken and greens or vegetables. Uh You eat clean, which my clean is chicken and the vegetables because I know that works for me. Uh, I six ounces of chicken and a cup of vegetables about every three hours. And then on Friday, I weigh-ins. So Friday, I don't eat or drink anything until weigh-ins, which are usually 5 or 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. Leading up to that, I just eat normal every three hours, six ounces of chicken and a cup of vegetables of some sort. So what kind of complex carb do you get to replace the nutrients that you don't get? Sweet potatoes, uh, lean protein, lean meat. I, I did steak. I go to, I'll get like uh, noodles of some sort. This time I did spaghetti and meatballs with some marinara sauce, no cheese, and then sweet potatoes is really the key. And you have yeah. to time your meals too. Oh, I'm sure. Dude, do you eat like a, a special kind of chicken? Are nope. you picky on your chicken? Uh, I, I get chicken that I know is actually chicken and not just hormones. Yeah. You just get natural, natural chicken because there's some chicken. You go to Walmart and you look at the different kinds of chicken. Um, there's one package that says 100% chicken and the other ones don't. So I'm assuming that they're not 100%. They're not because they're not advertising it. Yeah. <laughs> By default, they're they not. Might be, they might be, but um, I, I go with the safe route, the one that I know is actually chicken. I went to the Waffle House today. Have, have you ever had their chicken biscuits at the Waffle House? Uh, no, I like my life. I like to live. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. No, I mean, it's just like it's like a chicken. It's like at Hardee's. Yeah, they throw a piece of chicken. And it's grilled chicken. It's not fried chicken or anything like that. 
But, I mean, they're like an inch and a half thick. They're big old thick pieces of, of chicken. They're only like they're only like three bucks too. So I I had two of those for lunch today, and I was just uh, with some other guys, and one of the guys was curious. He's like, "Do you guys like sell these chicken breasts? And, you know, how much would a case be?" And they sell the cases there. It's like twenty four bucks for twenty four pieces of those uh, chicken breast, and I mean they're big old huge. They're probably six ounces at least of chicken wow. breast. I was paying. When I do those and I get the specific chicken, it's like fifteen bucks for four breasts. Oh, and, dude, you need to go to Waffle House. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm doing next time. Like, what was your yeah. weight diet at Waffle House? Do what? I was, what, what was your weight cut diet? No, to say Waffle House. Waffle House. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. There's a, there's just probably that hormone chicken though. I mean, it's probably not. If it's, I mean, if you can get chicken that cheap, it's got to be something added into it. You know uh, what? No, it's really good. I know that. Is to have your own chickens, and you kill them, and then you eat the chicken, and you know it's just chicken. That's the only way to be a hundred percent sure, isn't it? Yep. All right. So you're cutting weight. We'll get back. <laughs> Squirrel. Oh, yeah. We jumped off. We jumped off track again. Uh, cutting weight uh, started on Monday. I actually start my weight cut diet on this previous Saturday, and then I really ramp it up on Wednesday. So I get my little sauna suit at the gym here. Uh, and so Friday morning when I woke up, I was about 209, so I still had four pounds to cut. Put on my little sauna suit. It's actually a scuba diving suit, so it just sticks to your skin, makes you sweat pretty good. Yeah, uh, they do. Yeah, scuba diving suit. Put your suit. balls off in a scuba diving suit. Oh, I know. <laughs> I still have my balls. That out there. <laughs> uh, I had the scuba diving suit, and then I put my sweatpants and my sweatshirt on over it, and then I went running down the road down here in South Mississippi. It's, it's pretty hot. Uh, <sighs> Well, I yeah. sweated that off, like gut, and then I went back to the house, stepped on the scale, and I was 205.6. So they give you one pound, so I could have weighed 206, and I would have been fine. So I just jumped in the car, and I went to uh, my girlfriend, Alex, drove, and her friend actually came down from Atlanta to uh, go watch my fight. So we drove over to Baton Rouge, and I actually was talking and stuff. I was kind of pleasant. Usually when I cut weight, I'm, I'm very angry. And uh -huh. Very grumpy. Yeah. yeah, a little bit grumpy, uh, but I, I wasn't too bad this time. So we got there, and I went and stepped on their scale, and it said 204.9 or something like that. I don't remember, but I was so happy. Uh, but by the time, basically what you do is you go there, you check your weight. And How many so days before the fight do you weigh in? One. One day before. Okay. Yep. And all that matters is what you weigh on weigh-in. You can put that weight back on after that, right? Oh, yeah, I did. I was 220 before I even got back in the cage. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's crazy how that works. Uh, but I, I got there, stepped on the scale, checked my weight, and then the way they do it is they let you check it. So if you have to go cut any last minute, then you can do that before they actually start the weigh ins. So I made sure I was fine, and it, we were in a freaking room full of testosterone filled fighters that were angry because they cut, all cut weight. Everybody had to cut weight. Yeah, so their little rules meeting before the you actually get on the scale. And the dude was talking and talking and talking and talking. And the fighters were like, come on, man, let's get on the scale. We're hungry and we're thirsty. So one of the fighters actually, he like took his clothes off right there and was just pacing back and forth like, hey, I'm ready to jump on the scale. Yeah, yeah, hey, I'm going to eat. Yeah, at that point, I was like, man, I like that guy. Uh, but he, he turned out not to be so nice of a guy. Uh, <laughs> there was three guys, man, three dudes, professional fighters, three professional fighters. 
that didn't make weight. They came in like eight pounds over. One was eight pounds, one was five pounds, and I think the other one was three pounds. But then wow. they didn't make weight. And so they, I, just, they don't fight if they don't make weight, right? No, the commission won't let them fight over weight. They refuse to cut it. So it's just it's crazy to me. I don't understand how you can be a professional fighter and not make your weight. But, yeah, because the definition of professional fighter is you get paid. Yep. <laughs> right? Yep, they're like paying you to make weight. Because no, for um, mixed martial arts fights, you get a pay. You get paid to show up, like you get paid to make weight, and then you get paid a bonus if you win. There you go. Sweet. It's interesting. So, so anyway, you get half your you get your half half your paycheck just by making weight. Making weight, yeah, and that's the hardest part, man. The, actually, the fighting part is fun, and people are like, "Why do you think that's fun?" I guess I guess I'm demented. I don't know. <laughs> Well, no. you're not in it to to do the diet. That's for damn sure. No, <laughs> is that a fat joke? <laughs> no, no. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, it could be. It, yeah. the The reason I do mixed martial arts, the reason I actually get in there and do it, is for the sportsmanship. Because you can literally, we went in there, we beat the crap out of each other for 15 minutes, and then we both we went out to dinner, and we ended up at the same place, and we talked to each other for a little while. He's a pretty cool, dude. And I was like, man, I'm glad I didn't talk to you before the fight because I kind of would have felt bad for punching you in the face. <laughs> I bet, I bet he said, no, it's okay. I don't feel bad at all for punching you. Yeah. No, he said the same thing. He's like, man, before the fight, I could even, I could tell you were a nice guy. I was like, yeah, kind of. I guess some people call me nice. I don't know. Yeah. Just, see, that's that works to your advantage. Yep. They think you're a nice guy, so they, they underestimate like, you. Right. They lighten up in the fight, and that's when you just pound them. Yep. You do never underestimate little Fedor. Mm, yeah, little Fedor. Hey, uh, did, did I tell you where I got my nickname? No, no. Tell us how you came came about, little Fedor. Yeah, I don't know if you guys watch MMA or anything like that, uh, mainstream, but little or Fedor is Fedor Emelianenko is was like the best pound for pound fighter ever. So when I was back in 2008, when I first started training the mixed martial arts, I moved down to South Mississippi here. Started training at this gym, and they started calling me Little Fedor. I'm like, man, stop calling me that. That's a big <laughs> move up to. Uh, but I get they called me. They said that I fight just like him with a expressionless face, and I just I can take a beating and keep pushing forward. So well, I that's get a compliment, I, dude. That's yeah, a huge compliment. Yeah, I agree. Um, I just Little Fedor. It's, it's a hard name to live up to. But I when I came back this time, I took a little bit of time off, and I came back, and you know what? I'm gonna embrace the name Little Fedor. There you I, go. I want to meet. Yeah. Him one day. Oh, so you haven't met him yet? No, no. He's he's lives in Russia. Oh, he's a Russian. Okay. Is he's he retired, I take it? Yeah, he. They were talking about him coming back. Ooh. Hmm. Wouldn't that be a fight? That would be cool, yeah. You two fighting each other. The expression we like to use at the uh, whenever we're teaching students at the armory is uh, GSP'd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. GSP's another one. Another, another uh, fighter that I look up to. Who's GSP? George St. Pierre. Oh, George St. Pierre, yeah. He was in um, the Avengers movie. Yep, that was him. Hopping yeah. around like money. Yeah. <laughs> he's trying to kick Captain America's butt. Yeah. I forgot he was in that. That's funny. Yeah. He's been, I haven't seen him fight in a while, but he's been doing movies and stuff, I guess, that pays more. Yeah, he's taking the Jean-Claude Van Damme route, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah. Used his MMA to launch his acting career, movie career. So I lost you again. So if you said something, I couldn't hear it. <laughs> no, that's not, we just we just kept talking through. I said yeah. we were actually waiting for you to get back. We stopped talking. Well, there you go. I mean, hey. so but, you did get so, the part about GSP, though, right? <laughs> yeah, George yeah. Saint- that's what we were talking about. Him being in Captain America. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, Jared, walk us through. Your okay, so you did the you did the weigh in. You cut, you got the weight. What's your what's your preparation after that to get ready for the fight? What are you doing? Uh, you make and I go back and I'll go for immediately. I go get food, uh, Pedialyte. I drink sip on Pedialyte after that, and then I actually went and got hibachi that time. And that hibachi chef, <laughs> hibachi chef, you're listening to me right now, you are the best hibachi chef I've had in my entire life. Now, I think he's a leadhead. I think he does listen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. But did he uh, flip, did he flip the uh, tails up into his hat and do the little uh, onion volcano and yeah, <laughs> yeah. He did a couple things that I'd never seen before. Uh, he made a heart talk. Um, oh, I haven't what, seen that. Made a what? Threw some eggs up in his hat, and I've seen everybody do that. Then he took a fake egg, and he like slammed his spatula on the on the. Um, Stove top when he acted like he threw the egg at somebody else, and that, of course, they got the crap scared out of him. It was hilarious. <laughs> but so those hibachi chefs are comedians. Too. Oh yeah, yeah. funny. <laughs> uh, so at, man, after I did that, I actually went back and I grabbed a beer at the hotel bar. Grabbed me a shiner. Oh, dude, I bet you were drunk off that one beer too, aren't you? No, I, I made sure I was hydrated before I drank that. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would have not been well the next morning. <laughs> and drinking beer not not don't go well together but yeah I, I drank one beer or maybe I drank two I don't remember because <laughs> you were drunk <laughs> in other words the hydration didn't work very well uh, uh, maybe I had three <laughs> yeah, I went back and I actually slept that was the first time I was like man I can relax now you know, the training camps are pretty rough you work out five six seven hours a day or every single day until the fight, uh, you got your rest days in there. But uh, I actually slept for like 12 hours, woke up, and just chilled. It was nice. Got breakfast at like noon. <laughs> there you go. And uh, I, we walked around a little bit, checked out Baton Rouge, what they had to offer down there. Uh, but it was getting ready to rain, so we headed over to the fighters' meeting. Uh, and that basically, they have a rules meeting before you actually uh, break away and start prepping your mind. Mm-hmm. So we did the fighters' meeting, and then... Uh, Break away with your little teams. When uh, we had two guys fighting, it was me and my my friend, uh, they call him the Prophet. And is this from your same training yep, group, same, same gym. Okay, and same gym. He uh, he's 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 a pretty cool, dude. What we did after after the fighters meeting, we break off with our our teammates, go up to our corner, uh, work on hitting mitts or or whatever. But we we weren't until ten or eleven. We were fight ten and eleven, so we didn't actually get in the cage until ten p.m. It was a little late, so I just kind of chilled back there, put the towel over my head, uh, laid down, slept a little bit, and then uh, once it gets close to the time to fight, you start getting your mind right. I put on this little motion, motivational video. I don't know if you saw it on my Facebook, but somebody posted it on my, my wall mm-hmm. the day before the fight, and I was like, man, i got to watch that before when I start getting my mind ready. So I did that, watched that video, uh, put my music on, and then we just start hitting mitts. Now, what do you listen to? What kind of music are you listening to to get... You ever heard of what, Rob? What does Little Fedor listen to to get motivated? You, you know who Rob Bailey is? Nope. Oh, you're missing out. I don't know what kind Rob of music. Bailey. 
I like everything. I, uh, variety is the spice of life, baby. Yep, I agree. Uh, let, Rob, me, let me, uh, Rob, B-A. B-A-I-L-B-Y. He's actually a bodybuilder. Oh, well, dude, you got like a mohawk? It's, yeah, it's angry music. Okay. Like, okay, I see it now. Okay, I'll have to check him out. I'll probably yeah. like it. Ted Nugent, Stranglehold, that's a good song that gets me going. Um, the Nuge. Yeah, I love Uncle Ted. Yeah. <laughs> but I, what I tried to do this time is there's so many promoters in MMA that don't allow firearm sponsors, which is stupid to me. Really? You're, you're fighting. You're, it's you're, like NASCAR. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like what? It's like that's, um, a, that's some of your biggest demographics are gun owners. Yeah, exactly. That is your, that is your biggest demographic. Yep, but they are PC crap. I don't know. But so what I did is <laughs> yeah, because I'm, MMA is so PC. I, I know it's it's crazy to me. <laughs> I just don't understand it. Uh, but these dudes were cool. The promoters, World Fighting Championships, they were real cool about it. Uh, they even let me have the SOE logo on my banner. So cool. I worked really hard to bring the firearms industry into the world of MMA because they really mesh very well together. Uh, and I didn't. I haven't seen any other spy, fighters that have firearm companies or firearm training companies or anything like that as sponsors. Yeah. Uh, well, that's good for you, man. You're trailblazer. Yeah. Uh, that, that's that's another reason why you know I'm behind you 100 percent because you do represent our community, our industry very well. I mean, you're you're a very good ambassador to represent our industry. Man, I appreciate that. It's it's just funny to me. These fighters, they get in there, they beat the crap out of each other, or get beaten or whatever, and then they get out of the cage, and they're friends. And it's exactly. kind of the same thing in the gun industry. I mean, we don't shoot each other or anything, <laughs> but it's you, you have your friends. You don't have any clicks. Everybody's a friend. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think yeah. Yeah. So did I hear you say you're out of Atlanta? No, I'm out of South Mississippi. South Mississippi. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, any three gun stuff down your way? Uh, there is one here in Biloxi. Biloxi. Okay. All right. I've been to Biloxi. Know exactly where that's at. Yep. I knew it before it got wiped off the map by Katrina. Yeah, that's where <laughs> I live. Because uh, unfortunately, I was in Iraq during that. Oh yeah. Man, you had your own storm. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure, and I felt for everybody there because uh, we had a bunch of units deploying out of Mississippi, and uh, well. We all left right before the storm. Yeah. So it kind of sucked to be in Iraq and see that place destroyed, knowing that we could have been there assisting people who needed it there. <laughs> so, which not to say that people in Iraq didn't need uh, taken out from underneath someone who, yeah, who is uh, more or less got your finger on you all the time that you're going to do what I say type person. So, mm-hmm. such as Saddam. <laughs> <laughs> Saddam. <laughs> So, Jared, um, let's get back to the, the fight. All right, so now you're coming out of your, what do they call it, your locker room? Is that what they call it, MMA? I don't know. Locker room. Your locker room, your dungeon. They, I, they call uh, it the corner. Do they do it like the boxers? You got your posse behind you. You're sitting there. You know, you got your hood on. You're all focused. You know, you got some cool music playing. Yeah, generally, that's the way it's done. This promotion did it a little differently because the time restraints that they had, they got us all ready. They got us greased up in the... Oh, by the way, greased up. By, I mean, for you you guys that don't actually know, uh, greased up, you actually put on Vaseline on your face so you don't get cut. Uh, and you saw how well that worked for me. 
<laughs> yeah, they did that in the actual locker room this time. So you, when you walked out, you walked straight into the cage. It's kind of odd. Uh, but yeah, they, they, you pick your own walkdown song, and whatever makes you most pumped up, you give it to the DJ, and he'll play it for you to walk and out. They'll play anything you want. Uh, generally, as long as it's clean, because this was an all-age show. Dude, um, you gotta, you gotta play Wham. What is you that? Co- Wham. George Michael. Oh. No, wake me up before you go go. <laughs> I'm not planning on go. You should do that, dude. <laughs> I did a custom one this time. I had talked in the middle of it, or I mean, in the beginning of it, had Stranglehold playing in the background, and then uh, my brother likes Mortal Kombat, so I, I, uh-huh. at about a minute, I cut to the Mortal Kombat theme song. That's pretty cool. Mortal Kombat, the like video game movie, Mortal Kombat. Yeah, video game. It's the original theme song. Oh, okay. So you're talking about before I go go, and I'm like Mortal Kombat. You're like what? <laughs> no, that's just gonna throw your opponent off. You come out rocking that music. Yeah, that's gonna like that's gonna like totally mess with his mind, man. Oh, dude, speaking of throwing opponents off, oh man, it was probably six years ago. I don't know, you weren't there, but six years ago. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we went to a, a fight at the Coliseum, and some dude came out. He was out of Team Fluffy Bunny. <laughs> Barbie girl. Nice. Yeah, if you do that, you kind of need to win. This dude got knocked out in like 10 seconds. Oh, did you really? Yeah. <laughs> See, I feel like if I did something crazy like that, that would be like sealing my fate. I'm about yeah. to knocked out. No, dude, you got to be bold. You got to yeah. you got to be confident that you can rock. You can rock Wham. Uh, at the same time, you can rock Stranglehold, dude. You yeah. know. Yep. See, I like some five finger death punch. That would have been me, but I do that too. Oh yeah, maybe maybe a little Barbara Streisand. You know, you'd rock that coming out. Well, you're <laughs> marinating here, Marty. Can you sing? Will you sing me a custom song to a walk custom out? Custom song. I'm thinking you know, like, who can sing? Who and plays music? FX Hummel, Jordan. Oh, you're right. I'm trying to get him to do um, a new uh, theme song for Talking Lead. Yeah, I might hit uh-huh. him up. Hey, Jordan, if you're listening, I would like you to help me out. Help me help you. Help me help you. <laughs> I haven't quite figured out how I'm going to help you yet, but I'll, I'll do something. Well, because you're going to be rocking these MMA fights, kicking ass, yeah. and that's going to be like your theme music coming out. And as you get bigger and bigger and you get into the, uh, what's the Dana White League? I don't MM, what's his? You know what? Dana is actually one of those ones that doesn't allow gun sponsors. So if I ever get a call from him, oh. the only way I'm going there is if I can take my sponsors with me. So, well, then hey, there you go. That's how you can help everybody. Is yep. you're gonna you're gonna kick ass. You're gonna be so good in this league that Dana White's gonna change his damn policy. Can't believe that Jack Wagon uh, doesn't allow gun sponsors. Nope. Yeah, he he's it's crazy. He them all. I don't know. I'm not sure why. I don't know what happened there, but I do uh. know that. Doesn't let that happen anymore. Okay, so you're in the ring. You're all vased up. Yep, got the Vaseline on. Uh, no homo. What's going through your mind? Uh, I'm about to punch this dude in his face and and knock him out so I can be done quick. So you're, you're sizing him up, obviously. What do you think? What are you thinking? First thing I'm going to do is you're thinking uh, I'm going to come in with a Superman punch. I'm going to do uh, a leg sweep. I usually what I do in the beginning is I feel him out, see, because uh, I knew my distance was a little bit. Uh, less than his. I had <laughs> shorter arms. Yeah, he's and got so definitely got the reach. See how I can get in there and do what I need to do. And so I just go in with a couple jabs first, see if I can get my 
get the feel of how far away I am. And mm-hmm. it was actually very disheartening because he had much longer <laughs> off than I anticipated. I got in there, I threw like two or three jabs in the beginning, and none of them hit his face. I was like, You're sitting wow, there. We have to work for this one. Mm. Uh, but he. Are you thinking ground and pound at this point? I got to take him to the ground? Yep. I did. I tried to take him to the ground. Um, he, after the fight, I talked to him. He said that he's like, Yeah, I watched some of your older videos and uh, I saw that you went to the ground a lot. So I took a, he's like, I took a razor. I shaved all the hair off my body so I'd be slippery. I was like, yeah. <laughs> That explained it because I did try to grab him and uh, take him down, but it didn't happen. Hey, you know what that was? You know what he used? He used tactics right there. He was tactical. Yeah. No, that was about to ask you that. Do you watch older videos from those fighters to pick out their flaws? Uh, Generally, I don't watch film because I don't really care what he does. I'm still going to do what I do. Right. I'm going to make them play my game. And I, I still, I lost this fight by decision, but I still believe that I made him play my game. But if he is a seasoned veteran fighter, would you consider it? <laughs> I, I mean, and I would probably watch it, but it still doesn't. It won't change the way that I I train because I'm you still approach. Yeah. Uh, it might. I mean, I'm still going to train hard. I I don't know how to explain it. But don't you think by watching those films, you might be able to pick up on maybe a tell or you know something like when he's getting ready to do something, he's like he before he does that movie, he always does this. Yeah, I would think it'd be beneficial for you to watch some of those films. Yeah, like, but, does he like to check you, like kick checks? Does he yeah. like to do that crap? And could you catch him off guard and then ground and pound him by catching his leg or knocking him off? <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got, I don't personally watch the films. My coach does that, and then he'll tell he me to watch this or whatever. Yeah, That's cool. Well, but, that, I, that's, that works, though. Yeah, yeah, I don't personally watch the films because then I feel like, in my mind, I'll be like, okay, in this video, he did this but then he might train that out of himself by the time he gets to my fight. So he might not even do that anymore. That's true. All right, so so you're toe-to-toe, you're feeling him out, you're, you're air-jabbing right now, so you've come to the conclusion that you're not going to be able to, to reach him very easily. So yeah. what's, your, what's going through your mind now? What's your game plan? I started uh, working my head movement a little bit more, uh, which – I still got punched a lot, but I, I, there's a lot was of... It, was it you moving your head or was it him moving your head? Uh, both. <laughs> I think I moved my head into his fist, which moved my head again. So I moved it twice for every once. I moved it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the lucky part about it. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I really... I started working my leg kicks was my big... It was uh, my game plan after I realized I couldn't really punch him in the face. Yeah, I saw his leg. He had a huge purple and green and black spot on his leg. I don't know if that was a tattoo or if that's where you were kicking him. Oh, no, that was I was tearing up his leg. <laughs> Make that leg weak. Yeah, and I thought I was in my head. I was like, okay, I'm going to tear this leg up, and then he won't be able to move and punch me as well as he was in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, he, and when he came out from the second round, he started in southpaw position, which is right foot forward, because I was tearing his left leg up pretty good. And he caught me with quite a few good punches, but none of them... My coach punches really, really hard, and I don't think that anybody that... At this point in my career, I don't think I'm going to fight anybody that could punch that hard. Uh, and it was funny because my opponent came up to me afterwards. He's like, man, I've knocked out heavyweights with those punches. And I was like, yeah... I've been punched pretty hard before, and so I can. I've learned. It's to, like you hit like a girl, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
No, he he still hit pretty hard, but I never saw a white light. You know, when you start seeing white lights, you know you're hurt. So you were fully cognitive the whole time, aware. Yeah. It was actually kind of cool because I was worried about my stamina, about my wind, uh, not being able to make it all 15 minutes. But at the end of the first round, I heard the little, they tap on the cage. Uh-huh. When you got 10 seconds left, I heard that. I was like, wow, this is 10 seconds left already? Awesome. So he was like, yeah. oh, by quick. Yeah, we were sitting on our stools, and I looked over across the cage, and I saw him. He was breathing through his mouth, and I was like, tired. He's tired already. And so we came out in the second round, and I kept working those leg kicks. Uh, we just It was really a back-and-forth fight the whole time, uh, but I left it left it to the judges, and I was really bloody. So. Yeah. so you learn not to leave it to the judges from now yeah. on. <laughs> yep. Uh, we talk about that a lot on Student of the Gun Radio, leaving it to the judges. Uh, don't do that. Don't leave it to yeah, don't don't put your fate in somebody else's hands. Yep. It goes for any kind of competition. But regardless, I mean that was a strong showing for your return back to the, the cage, no doubt. We're proud of you. I appreciate it. That's one thing that I really proved to myself this time was that was my fourth pro MMA fight and that was his tenth pro or eleventh pro MMA fight. And I still did pretty good to against him and he was he's an active MMA fighter I've been out for five years so I proved to myself that I can still get in there and perform like I need to do like I need to perform so uh, back to the drawing board now I take this loss and it take it as a loss move forward from it take watch the video I'll watch a video of myself and see what I was doing wrong and what I need to fix and I'll be back in the cage in October October that's just around the corner down there in New Orleans, working on getting a contract right now uh, for at the Harris Casino. Harris Casino. Man. Nice. Uh, so we got October to look forward to. Uh, do you, are you going to be doing any of those uh, specialty fights in between? Um, working on a boxing match in, at the end of September. I got end of September and then uh, October 16th. I know that that's the MMA fight in New Orleans, and then I'm working on one in December up in there in Atlanta. Very cool. Well, I definitely would like to come down to Harris and check that one out. That would be that'd be an awesome fight. I hope you get that one. And then Hotlanta is always a good area to go to as well. I love Atlanta. Yeah, I know we. I know you probably have a lot of listeners up there. I know we do. Yeah, up in yeah. Atlanta. Atlanta's a, a one of our hot spots. Yeah, Georgia, the Georgia area. Yep. Well, very cool. Tell us, everybody, who's backing you on this endeavor, Jared. Man, I'm pleased to bring all these gun industry companies and um, talking lead, especially. <laughs> you guys into the world of MMA with me. I've got Gun District, Talking Lead, Pipefitters Union, Tactical Response, SWAT Fuel, Student of the Gun, obviously, Special Operations Equipment, American Association of Firearms Users, Madison Rising, Lightner Wise Manufacturing, and Legally Concealed. Very cool. We need to get to. I need to get together with Jaeger and Owen, and we all need to get together and, and come to that your next fight. Yes, yeah, load up cool. and bring a crew. That would be awesome. That'd be cool for all the lead heads that could go with us. You know, like uh, you're sponsored and me and yeah, a couple yeah. of other guys. You know, that'd be that'd be that'd be fun, dude. We'd cheer you on. That'd be yeah. awesome. The I, I would appreciate it. Definitely, we go out and have some fun afterwards. After I knock that dude out quick. Right, you know, yeah, don't, 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 make it cool. 
Don't be the one to get GSP'd, okay? <laughs> I've never done that before, and I don't ever plan on doing that. So, <laughs> what does that mean? I'm missing out on that. What's George St. Pierre? In other words, yeah. don't get knocked out, dude. Oh, uh, does he get knocked out, or does he knock people out? No, he knocks people out. <laughs> oh, that's it's like, so kind of like Ronda Rousey. She like oh, she puts her people out quick. Now she's not. Did she quit the MMA or and went to the WCW or something like that? The wrestling. No, she. Well, I don't know. Maybe no. She's still. She's still doing MMA. She's got the title. Okay. I had heard that. I want to um, give you my take on her real quick. Do you want me to okay. do that? Yeah, absolutely. The way because a lot of people are like, well, it's it's a chick fighting in MMA, and I don't I don't find it attractive for women to actually fight other women. That's not attractive. Mm-hmm. The attractive quality. Um, to me, of Ronda Rousey is how far, how much she has grown as an athlete, be it a female or a male, and that's really that's that's the way I see her is as an athlete. I don't see her as a dude fighter or a chick fighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, when she's fighting, I don't think I've ever looked at her in a in a sexual way. I mean, it's just it's like a fighter. It's like I'd watch any other fight. Yeah. You know, I'm looking for a good competition. Well, I actually kind of it. I don't know. Um, it doesn't quite disgust me when women fight other women. It's just like, it's not something that I want to watch. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Yeah, but I don't look at it as women fighting women. I just look at it as, you know, it's another it's another competition between yeah. two two competitors. Yeah. I don't I don't guess I really look at it that way. So. Unless it's mud wrestling. Now, <laughs> yeah, I, can, I can put that, yeah. That, that I'm, would, I'm like, totally for that. Yeah. <laughs> Bikini mud wrestling. Put Any some mud in, in the middle of the cage and I, I, it'll be all right then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so Casey, what what have you got coming up in the world of Three Gun? The uh, month of September, I'm going to try to just jump into some monthly matches. Uh, I, 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 unfortunately, I had to work, and I couldn't compete in the FNH Challenge in West Virginia. So I'm just going to try to hop into some monthly matches as long as they don't cancel out due to Labor Day week. Are those going to be local matches? Yeah, just local matches, and because uh, some of them have already canceled. They've already said they're canceling due to Labor Day. Okay. Well, that sucks. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. But, do they you know, really make you pay a fee up front on those? Yeah, it's it's really small. It's it's just a small club matches and stuff. But uh, but that's okay though. That means I can train and focus on everything that I need to focus on before. October. Well, maybe I can do one with you. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. That'd you can, be great. You can you can get me involved with this, and I can start shooting with you. I'm in. It's fine with me. Okay. Um. Let me know when the next one is coming up, and okay. I'll, I'll shoot it with you. All right. Definitely. I ain't scared. Um, <laughs> nah, ain't no reason to be scared. <laughs> Actually, I am. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, October is the Trigicon Challenge, which is a massive match again at Rock Castle. What's the I'm... entry fee on that? Oh, that one's steep. That one is $375, I believe. Three seventy five. I think it was three seventy five. I think. Uh, don't quote me. I can't quite remember. It's been a while. Because as soon as it come out, I went ahead. I had the money I put in for it. Oh, so it's so, already registration has already been for that. Done. Well, I mean, I, they're still doing it. Uh, you can still get in. I, I don't. I don't think they have closed it yet. Uh-huh. Uh, but I know I it's probably full. There's a lot, and that kind of encompasses a lot of stuff. Not just the world of three gun. You could be asked to shoot a long rifle, I mean, at various dis- distances. You could oh, this is the one to... that you were telling me that you don't bring any guns. They've got all the guns. They've got all yeah. the ammo, 
and then it's just pot luck on what you might get. It's kind of like a top shot kind of thing. Right. You never know what you're going to be doing. Yeah, you could shoot a revolver. You could shoot a pump shotgun. You could shoot an over-under. You could shoot, like I said, a long gun of any type, bolt action. You could shoot ARs, of course, SCARs. They might even have a M60. They might even have a Kel-Tec Sub-2000 Gen 2. Very well. Kind of like I've got got right here. So, yeah, my my Gen 2 came in, as you can see. (laughs) Yep. I have those in my uh, go bag, actually. Yeah, I mean, they're perfect for go bags. Uh, Sorry to interrupt you, Casey. Go ahead. No, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah, it, it's going to encompass everything. So it's it's not just one specific thing. It's it's all over the board. Uh, Jared, have you done any, Jared, have you done any gun competitions? No, I have not. I was actually thinking about getting into that as a uh, official student of the gun shooter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Yeah. Would you mentor me? <laughs> well, I could definitely do some work. <laughs> <laughs> Because I've never done it before, I don't even know how it works. Oh man, it's the I, I tell you the pull a trigger though. It's definitely once it's kind of overwhelming at first, but once you get into it, it's uh just do it, just shoot it, man. Because uh, you'll freak yourself out if you think about it too much. Mm-hmm. Just go for it, and I think that's what helped me up there at Rock Castle this time. I quit worrying too much. I just said the heck with it. I'm going to do it, and just went for it and gave it everything. Gave it as much as I could without being reckless. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. Well, that's one thing you can't be when you're shooting those stages. You can't be reckless because you'll get DQ'd. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Definitely. But, uh, and in November, there is a big one coming up. I like to try to beat all the ones that involve soldiers at, at, in some aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is the A3G Salute to Valor match, and uh, it's in Atlanta. And um, what month is that in Atlanta? November. When is your fight, Jared, in the, in Atlanta? December. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, I'll be in Atlanta two months in a row, looks like. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's going to be a big one also. A lot of that goes back to Special Operations, uh, the Special Operations Foundation, I believe, and a couple of other ones. But uh, that's going to be a big three-gun match also, so. Kind of looking forward to that one. Any of those events like that, I want to be at. Because now that you you mentioned that uh, the the organization, charitable organizations at Rockcastle this week, I met the gang from USA Cares. Uh, got to to meet them, and the the founder was actually there. I guess he's the founder. Wasn't he the founder? Mm-hmm. The president? I think so. Yeah. And uh, did a video with them that I'm going to be posting along with all the Casey shooting and. I got to film the guys from Caltech and uh, some of the pros that were there. Uh, those videos are coming up. But the USA Cares is a foundation that Talking Lead is looking at uh, possibly getting involved with as, as well. So look for more of that to come. Uh, but I really enjoyed kind of the after the shoot getting to talk with, you know, everybody was mingling around before they were doing the prize table. The pros were there. The amateurs were there. The sponsors were there. You know, everybody was just hanging out, talking, and having a good time. Uh, oh, yeah. you, you introduced me to Birdsall. Mm-hmm. Rick Birdsall, yeah. Yeah, I got to re- meet Rick Birdsall. Uh, very cool dude. He's going to be coming on the show sometime soon, Leadhead, so you know, stand by for that. The USA Cares people. Holly, who else did, Who else were we talking to there, the Pro 3 Gunners? You well, know them all. I'm just kind of learning everybody now. Well, the one, the same people that were in that, that, that crowd was Deanna Huffstetter. Uh, she was there, and she shoots a lot with Taryn Butler. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is another 
uh, three gunner that I watch religiously. Um, yep. He's been in it for a while. Um, has great products, by the way. Man, those uh, TTI base pads and stuff that he has for Glock, Smith Wesson, or even your P Mags or anything mm-hmm. that, you, that you have. Man, he makes great products. Uh, he's got a sweet Benelli shotgun um, that he backs. But uh, of course, you know me, I like the Mossbergs. But uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Another and, uh, cool guy that, that I got to meet. Uh, was Jess Tishauer. Yeah, Jesse Tishauer. Yeah. Yeah, got to got to meet Jesse and uh he's at, he's wanting to be on the show too, so uh looking forward to and he's got a big tie. He sent me a schedule for September and he's like covered up. So I'm looking at maybe end of September to get him on. Um maybe I can get the both of you on. But yeah, so Jesse Tish Tishauer, is that how you say Tishauer? Tishauser. Tishauser, okay. Jesse Tishauser. Uh, with this relationship that I have with Casey, I'm getting to meet a lot of these other three gunners and have the opportunity to get them on the show. So that's just going to benefit all of, of, of and, us leadheads. And you know what's bad? I looked for Jesse the entire time that I was up there. I knew he was there. I never got to see him. Yeah, he was like the first first part of the day after your first shoot. Mm-hmm. I was walking back to go film uh, Zach Hall with Atlas Defense. And um, Chad last week told me to be looking for like the guys from Freedom Munitions, Jesse, and a couple other people. And he had his back turned, and I just happened to see his name on the back of his shirt. And I walked over and started talking to him, and he was and he was just cool dude, man. He's getting ready for his next stage, and he was we talked for probably about ten fifteen minutes. Oh yeah, I mean he's he's actually you know gave me a couple pointers talking back and forth on Facebook. Uh, messaging and everything else, and I was really looking forward to meeting him, dude. I didn't even get a chance to meet him, so man, I was, I was kind of devastated by that. I was like, man. Was well, if you don't meet him before uh, I get him scheduled to be on the show, then uh, you can be on with me, and we'll uh, you can co-host with me, and we'll interview him together. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Seems like a really cool guy. You know, he he gave me a couple pointers, and not to mention too, I got to give Hunter Kale props too, man. Hunter, Hunter, uh, you know. Coming through a lot of disabilities himself, coming through making a good start out of himself and three gun and and uh, he's 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 moving on up pretty quick, man. He gave me a couple pointers too on how to look at stages and uh, Raleigh Prince too. He's another one. It's time now for the Jack Wagon, and we're going to kind of do something a little different. Is we're going to do the Jack Wagon and the fact to fight the myth are kind of related, so we're going to do them kind of all in one. So Gunny, roll us into our Jack Wagon. Hoorah, simplified, do or die, hold them high at 8th and I. It is time for the Talking Lead Jack Wagon of the Week, so brace yourself, baby. All right, so by the time this gets out, you guys are going to probably know a whole lot of details about this latest uh, massacre that's happened. Uh, It was the reporters out in Virginia. There was a journalist and her cameraman, and the lady that they were interviewing were viciously gunned down. The journalist and the cameraman were murdered, and as far as I, I know right now, the the other lady is in surgery and she's going to be okay. She's going to live. I think she was shot in the back. Mm-hmm. But this this uh, I mean, for lack of this evil person, I mean, he's just pure evil. That's all you can describe this guy as. He's a human. Uh, I mean, obviously he's <laughs> he's got mental issues, mental problems, but. He's just he's just evil. This is a premeditated, planned out massacre that 
he just ambushed them. There's no way that they would have been able to to defend or protect themselves. And it's just you know, it's tragic and it's sad. But the jack wagon, what I'm leading into is who the jack. I'm not throwing this guy. Obviously, this guy's on the jack wagon train. Um, I, I don't even know what was his name. Um, yeah. he had a stage name and then he had a real name. <laughs> It's like Flanagan. He's like an Irish dude, but he's a black dude. But he's got like an Irish name, uh, something Flanagan. But obviously, he's he's on the train, under the train, being drugged by the train. Uh, no doubt about that. SDI is proud to present the Talking Lead Facts Rob Pincus had sent me a message, and uh, I just haven't been able to keep up with this like I'd wanted to. But apparently, there's people out there criticizing, not necessarily criticizing, but they're saying, you know, these people should have been more situationally aware of their surroundings and what was going on around them. Well, I mean, obviously these people, as Jared pointed out, have never been in the world of media. They've never made a video. They've never, uh, they've never just been out in public talking to somebody. Right. There's, there's only so much that you can be aware of at any given time. And when you've got a camera, you're holding up a camera and you're working on angle shots and, you know, the person that you're filming is sitting there paying attention to the person she's interviewing and talking to her. And that's usually how these, these, these journalists are is like, you've got a cameraman, you got a journalist and there's nobody else. They don't mm -hmm. carry around an armed uh, security detail with them. To me, the, the thing that would have threw a lot of alarms off and maybe this is just because, you know, we're used to seeing this stuff and we're used to hearing it. And uh, also military are used to hearing that also. But I guess to someone who's never been around the military, to me, it would have alarmed the fact that he was there after being fired watching this interview. Well, I, here's I, the thing. He wasn't there watching it. He just snuck up on him. He ambushed him. Yeah, the weird he, came, part, he came out of nowhere. Yeah, the weird part to the video, though, that I've seen before he pulled the trigger, it's like he anticipated or yeah. he second-guessed himself because he flashed the pistol. Yeah. And then he waited for the cameraman to finally turn and pan to the reporter and the woman she was interviewing. Then he pulled the trigger on her. I don't know. The whole peripheral thing, being able to see everybody else around you, kind of. But the point yeah. is, the point is uh, and this gets into our fact to fight the myth also, is the myth of situational awareness. Mm -hmm. There, There is no way that you can... 100% of the time, be 100% aware of 100% of your surroundings. No. Because they're, they're dynamic, they're changing, you're, you're changing, uh, you know, you're doing different things that demand your attention for other things. There's no way the cameraman could have any kind of situational awareness whatsoever. And, and for people to say that, it's just, it's ludicrous. You know? I, I, I haven't watched the video and, like, I, I glanced at it one time, so I haven't watched it enough to make a an educated opinion about this. I agree that you can't know 100% of your, your surroundings 100% of the time, but I do, I'm do. i all around about in the public. I do video. I do audio. I do that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I know it's difficult to focus on, like if you're interviewing somebody, you, you have to focus on that person because you have to see, it. like in my head, when I'm filming, I'm also editing. So I'm analyzing the situation to um, make my job easier later. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you can't... Exactly. Like, so if, if this situation happened to me, um, I would still blame myself for being shot because I would feel like I wasn't paying enough attention. Now, But you're people, doing your job, you yeah, know? Yeah, these people... Mm -hmm. are, you can't... You can't... Never even... 
been to the frickin' range to shoot a gun, so they don't even know what it's like to be in a stressful position. Uh, and I, if you're a keyboard commando, then <laughs> go on this jack wagon train because that's where you need to be. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, in the cameraman's defense, though, you know, he didn't know it was coming. He had his head stuck in the camera like he should. Well, no. here's the thing, guys. The the shooter also had a camera. Did you know that? Yeah, at his cell phone. He had. He was. He was Yo, filming it himself. And you can see that when he came up on that reporter, she had no idea he was there. It's like she he he startled her. She's like, "Oh God!" And you know he's got this gun pointed at her. And at that point, what do you do? You can only do what she did. You run. Mm-hmm. Or you, I mean, you could confront the guy and tackle him and hope you know you knock the gun out. But I mean, that's just it's natural instinct. What what happened with her? Yeah. You know, she's got no training. But the whole situational awareness myth, uh, yes, you need to be aware of your surroundings. You need to pay as much attention as you possibly can. But you can't always 100%, 100% of the time, know what's 100% around you because, right. because, because environments are changing constantly. It's like before you start shooting, you could do a great sweep and you know take note of everything that's going on. But as you put that camera up to your face, things are changing. And you don't know what's happening. You don't know what's going on at that point. You know, and yeah. you could break and take a look around and, you know, do it. But there's going to be that moment where you're always going to have your attention somewhere else. Yep. And that's one thing that I've got with me is I have a whole team. I don't just have me and, well, sometimes I do. But my team is different. We have training. We know how to observe our surroundings. Yeah. And I don't care how much training you had. There's not. There's no training in the world that could have pre- prevented what had happened right there. No. Because that guy was dead set. It was premeditated. It was planned out. He had a plan of action. You know, he was going to cause some damage somehow, some way. The main thing to take from this is we know there's always going to be evil in the it world. It might have been minimized, but, I mean, there's only yeah. three people there. If you look at the video, I think they're the only three people there anyway. Well, you know what they say, man. To meet a guy at that level to stop the threat, you must be on the same level as him to stop him. In yeah. other words, you need to be packing heat too. That's that's only that's the only fair way to do it. But I mean, we can sit here and try to analyze it, but you know, yeah, pick it apart. It's just the fact is, until you're in that situation and it happens to you, you never know what what how it's going to go down. And obviously, you need to be trained and you need to be able to when you have the ability or the opportunity to protect and defend yourself, you know, that's going to kick in. But these guys just didn't even have that. They didn't have that opportunity. You can hear my voice right now. Do me a favor. Stop sharing these videos. Stop watching them. That's what this dude wanted. Yep. On purpose. He wants the videos to be shared. He he wants to be remembered as by his name rather than a piece of human debris. I, I'm not even going to say the dude's name ever because I, nobody cares what his name is. No, he's a piece of shit. Yeah, the focus should be spent on the the people that were victims of this. Right. Yeah. All right, so there's our jack wagon and our fact to fight the myth all rolled in one. SDI's 32 semester credit hour certificate program in gunsmithing and 60 credit hour associate of science and firearms technology degree program can work hand in hand and are the most complete training programs of their kind. SDI strives to give you the best quantity and quality of professional gunsmithing information and tools. 
These programs are perfect for students interested in careers in the firearms industry or for those who are interested in owning their own gunsmithing business. Our programs are delivered by distance learning, which allows our students to maintain full-time jobs, families, military service, and more while working towards their degree or certificate. The Sonoran Desert Institute mission is adding value to our students' lives by providing innovative, relevant, and applicable workplace-driven education through distance-delivered instructions. Visit them at sdi.edu. So great show, guys. Uh, appreciate you being on uh, this week. Uh, real quick, I want to announce the winner. I'm not going to have a trivia question this week, but the winner of uh, Keltec Chad's trivia question, uh, what calibers is the new Gen 2 uh, going to be released in? Uh, and that cool, funny video that Chad did. It's 20 millimeter and 45 ACP, which they're not really coming out with a uh, 20 millimeter Keltex up 2000. Uh, the the winner is Michael Daniel. Michael, congratulations! You are the winner of the uh, Keltex swag bag uh, prize package. Uh, so, guys, again, thanks for being on the show. I appreciate you taking the time. Appreciate both of you representing Talking Lead and the firearms industry in the manner that you do. You're both first rate guys. Couldn't ask for two better ambassadors uh, for the three gun competition and for the world of MMA. Bravo to you guys. I appreciate the support. Thank you. And I definitely want to come watch you. I'll let you know. And a big thanks to our sponsors at ICE Training, icetraining.us. ICE stands for Integrity, Consistency, and Efficiency, the hallmarks of the programs, courses, and services provided by the company. ICE Training is a full-service company offering training to armed professionals and those interested in self-defense. ICE is owned and operated by Rob Pincus, the developer of the Combat Focus Shooting Program, and the Professional Defense Video DVD series. ICE offers training in firearms, tactics, and unarmed defense, as well as consulting services for range operations, instructor development, and training program management. ICETraining.us And as always, Leadheads, keep your loved ones close and keep your opponents closer. There you go. Ready, chop!